Self-made to me is that part within you that gets you back up after every fall. That's awesome, man. We give thanks for that. Bless up, bless up. Yo, bless up everybody in the chat. Bless up, bless up, bless up, bless up. Thankful. And so blessed to be here, man. Big up, big um, up, big up. Thank you for thank you for participating in, in what we call self-made wall sheet. Um I appreciate it. So I so so your fans know and you know who I am. I own uh, a, a liquor company. I own a bunch of brands, Bel Air, Bamboo, McQueen, my past brands, Doucet, uh, Ace of Spades. Um, I started this series, Wall Street Cup, a few years ago called Self Made. And the whole idea behind it was I love hearing about the rise. I don't like mm -hmm. the success. I like the rise because that's the hard part. Mm -hmm. And no one understands how hard that is. And I think if you're honest mm -hmm. and truthful, it inspires people to do more. It inspires mm -hmm. me. So what does self-made mean to you? You know, I, I want to start again by saying big up to everybody. Much love and much respect. I really do appreciate being here. Um, self-made to me is more self-motivated. Yeah. When I really look at my life, I've had tons of help. Um, I would never say I was... I was I was the only person that worked to get me where I am. I'm definitely not. I've had wonderful uh, business partners. I've had great support from family and friends. Um, I've had a lot of mentors. I've had a lot of help. I've had a lot of people help me reach where I'm reached and still as I keep going. But I think the self-made part is the motivation. That's the part that's within you that you actually can't get externally. Um, it's that part within you that that gets you back up after every fall. It's that it's that thing within you that has this crazy vision that people say, yo, that's so crazy. And they can't actually see it, but it's it's so real to you. And it's something that I find is very rare. I don't see it in a lot of people. Uh, a lot of people don't have um, the motivation to get through what I consider are extremely difficult situations. Yeah. Um, and I know we're going to talk about my life a little bit and, and where I'm from in Carroll City and and how I grew up and stuff like that and, uh, and the extreme situations that I've gone through. But I'm not special in that sense. I've got tons of friends. You guys that are in the chat with us have tons of friends. You yourselves have gone through situations that, you know, if people were to actually hear your story, they, they wouldn't believe you've made it through it. And so everyone is a self-made boss um, once they've made it through, man. Once you've been able to get from uh, a negative space or to, to overcome huge obstacles, you yourself are a self-made boss. So big up to everybody that's done a lot uh, and continues to do a lot because, you know, the race isn't over. Where do you think you mentioned in a word I love, which is motivating yourself? Where do you think that like I can I can honestly say and I, I say this all the time. My mother is my motivator. I say like, that too. Yeah, no, like having, you need people in your corner. You need people who, uh, Russ uses the word big up you, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but 
who who is it? And I, I think between my mother and my father saying, you know, being it's work, work, work. Those two things is instilled mm-hmm. in me. Like, where does yours come from? Yeah, same thing, man. And my mom didn't have to say work, work, work. She worked, worked, worked. Um, you know, she would. Um, well, I just want to make sure this is good. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. She worked at a place in Florida called FPNL, Florida Power and Light. And we lived in Carroll City, which is the northwestern side of Miami. Florida Power and Light is South Miami. She would wake up every morning so early. She would hitchhike to work every single day. And, you know, of course, I don't think um, hitchhiking was as crazy or as dangerous back then as we as it is now but that's still kind of like wow my mom used to hitchhike to work every single day and she told me a lot of crazy stories about a lot of the guys that would pick her up and she would hitchhike back home so if you guys could understand the 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 distance that my mom had to go from Carroll City in North Miami to Southwest Miami it's a long distance and she said that sometimes she would get dropped off on the side of a road and have to hitchhike again to another to to get to another part closer and never had a set ride because there was no transportation back then there was no buses there were no there was no way to get around in Miami but a car and my mom didn't have a car so i watched my mom do that um for years and work 16 hours she would come home and by that time me and my siblings had already fed ourselves uh whether it be we made some food or what we most likely did was eat at somebody else's house every yeah. single night. Um, we'd already uh, done whatever we needed to do. And so when she came home, she would just go to sleep. Well, actually, she would do some work, make sure that she, the house was clean, make sure we cleaned and stuff like that. But she would do that every single day. And then on the weekends, um, you know, we would do, we would go to McDonald's. And that was our, uh, how do you say it? That was like our treat. That was like a treat. Yeah. And that was right up until maybe junior high school we would go to mcdonald's uh and we would sit down and we would talk as a family and i would get a filet fish and i would just hear her talk about what it is that she had to do at work and how 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 much she had to do at work and that motivated me uh to start working and i I got my first job at 14. um uh well i wouldn't say i got my first job i started selling cassette tapes in the streets and so a lot of people in miami remember me because I would walk around with a big ass radio on South Beach, <laughs> downtown Miami, through Carroll City. I had a big boom box and I would sell cassette tapes and they would be either dancehall cassette tapes or they would be Miami music cassette tapes. So like Uncle Al, Jam Pony um, or dancehall, Stone Love, Kilimanjaro, them kind of something. Yeah, my big up Bev. A lot of people in here actually know my mom, Miss Bev. Um, but you know, I would yo styles big up. I would uh, I would be selling these cassette tapes, and then I would I would give my mom one hundred percent of my money, and so I was selling tapes for like five dollars a piece, uh, seven dollars for two, and things like that. Um, and I would get maybe two hundred, three hundred dollars a week, and I would give a hundred percent of that to my mother. So if you were ever driving up. 183rd Street, you saw a kid with a boombox trying to sell you a cassette tape. That was me. Um, after that, I went on to selling uh, fake New Era hats. 
Now, <laughs> this was when like uh, the dip set and all of that started to pop off and everybody was wearing the big bucket. Uh, new yeah, 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 yeah. Right. So I started, you know, the internet was starting to come around that time. And I was always like, yo, um, I don't like these hats. And so I found, I went online, found a guy in China who uh, would make these new era hats in the colors that I wanted. So way before, this is a fact, you know, big up to, there's a few people that could verify this. Uh, way before new era started to sell hats, like say for instance, a Miami Heat hat, now they make in um, neon pink and neon yeah, blue. Yeah, yeah. I did that in the 90s. Wow. I made I made those colors of a Miami Heat hat in the 90s. Uh, it was a bootleg fake hat. It was not an authentic hat at all. But I would make colors, different colors of hats, and then I would sell them in front of the uh, Liberty City flea market. So also, if you guys ever remember anybody sitting in front of the flea market in the sun, in the summer, 100 degrees, uh, in the parking lot selling New Era hats. That was me. And that was all motivated by m seeing my mother work so hard and understanding. And again, I gave 100% of that money to her. What I would do is if I needed gas money, I would ask her for it. So if I said, mom, I need to borrow your car. Um, I want to go to the Pat Jam uh, this weekend. And the Pat Jam was like a um, uh, a teen club. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I would say, mom, I want to go to the Pat Jam. Uh, and so I would borrow... Uh, some gas money and they only sold sodas so uh, I didn't I never drank soda so I wouldn't drink anything um, but I would borrow gas money and things like that but I gave her 100% of my money so just like you my mother was a big motivator but I watched her work and that's how it motivated me do, do, do you did you appreciate it uh, I guess when you think back and you think upon your success did it take you to be successful to appreciate where you came from or you always kind of, you, you always. took it forward, always. Yeah, man, because I, I've had so many people that have, have passed uh, from a young age. I've had tons of friends that have been murdered or incarcerated. And I was able to um, feed myself all the time. I remember the first pair of Jordans I bought, um, I bought uh, from a guy who was stealing them at Foot Locker. And he sold me a pair of the, uh, I want to say it was the sixes for $60. And he worked at Foot Locker and he stole them. Um, and he came, he came around the neighborhood with, with a car full of boxes. And I remember he had, there were $60. And I remember really saying to myself, like, man, I don't really have the money for this, but, um, I'm going to, I'm going to do something for myself and I'm going to buy these Jordans. And I bought them, you know, I bought those Jordans for $60. And, you know, I always looked at like those Jordans. I looked at like the little things and I appreciated them big time, man. Big, big, big time, big time where it was like, I was genuinely like, man, if I don't ever remember now, you have to also remember now in, in Miami, you have two sides. You have the, the very wealthy side and we yeah. never, we never saw that side. Yeah. Uh, we never saw what a big mansion looked like. We never, yeah. we never saw that, except for like Bo Diddley's house and some of the local guys. But, you know, those guys were also in prison before they even got a chance to finish their house. Yeah. So <laughs> we, we never got a chance to see what the other side looked like. But in my and there was not videos that would show us. So, you know, I didn't have a TV, um, none of that stuff. But I knew that 
my 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 personal family and 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 friends were happy like the genuine happiness of knowing yo I'm alive today and I got food today and yeah every now and then I, I might I might have a, a polo shirt I appreciated every single bit of it man so it never took it never took me to reach any level of of what some people deem as success to realize that I was already successful so so when did music start kicking in for you Music started kicking. Well, again, I have to say big up to my mom because Sunday she would clean and she started to play music. Um, music, so that those times, that's the only time I ever saw my my, my mother and father hug. Um, it was like when a certain song would come on. Um, the song was uh, the song was Stealing Love on the Side. That was a song. So for everybody out there, if you get a chance, go check it out. The song is called Stealing Love on the Side. Um, but that was the first time I ever saw my mother and father like ever hug. And that made me love music because I saw how two people who could never really seem to, well, they actually never spoke. The music somehow did this, this thing, you know, the music somehow connected. And then, yeah, from there, you know, I ended up going to Clark Atlanta university and I got an internship at the jazz station at Clark Atlanta university in downtown Atlanta. Shout out to Glenn Simmons, rest in peace. The great, 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 great Glenn Simmons, rest in peace. He gave me an internship at uh, Clark Atlanta University's jazz station. And so my real first introduction to music was jazz on on reel-to-reels. I used to set up the reel-to-reel, cut them, edit out, put in a commercial. I used to program shows on reel-to-reels. I know everybody don't know how difficult that is. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Reel-to-reels, it was really, it was really rough. But yeah, man. Um, and that's where my music journey really started. So when did when did you become getting into de- being your own, being a DJ or producing music? When when did that happen? Okay, so at the jazz station, um, I started to get more into the jazz and more into the station. And at Clark Atlanta, there was a lot of clubs, tons of clubs. And I used to follow this sound system called Changes Disco. And one night, their D, their MC didn't show up. Sorry, and the, it was an empty night. And the guy was like, "Yo, you know, do you want to talk on the microphone?" Or I might have been like, "Yo, the MC's not here. Let me talk on the microphone." And just like that, I got bit by the bug. You know, I saw the girls smiling, the girls were laughing. You know, the girls were watching, and you know, it, it immediately became what I what I dreamt about when I wasn't doing schoolwork or wasn't, I just was like, yo, I got to get back to the club and get back on that microphone again, because I really, really want uh, that energy again, what I felt. And I fell in love with it. Do, do you feel, even today, do you feel like you're a different person when you're on the mic? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hopefully, you know, I, I, I always want to feel like a different person. I think I don't want to ever be the same person I was yesterday. So yeah, definitely. Um. Uh, oh, you mean, do I feel like I'm a different person as in, like, there's a different persona? There's a, like, yeah, exactly. Right. There's I a different you. personality. Yes. Yeah, man, definitely, because I can get away with saying things on the microphone at a party that I would never say to somebody in a conversation, you know? So, um, Did that just, did that just, because I'm curious, because in reading your bio, reading your background and 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 Major Laser, I, I'm just imagining, like, there's a bunch of different personalities in you. It's coming out mm-hmm. in different places. Like between yeah. what you're producing with Major Laser and what you're producing on your own to being, you know, a, a DJ. Like it, 
they're different to me. They're all different things. Right. I'm, I'm blessed to grow up in Florida. Um, Miami, Florida is to me eclectic place. And I think that I, ref, I, I turn, I, I, I've absorbed all these different cultures and it helps me adapt. So for instance, if American music is coming on, it's playing, I become very Miami. Uh, yeah. And it's in everything I say and the way I'm DJing, you know, I'm doing the whole jam pony on out thing. Um, and then, yeah, same thing. If it's dance all time, I'm like, yo, I'm totally this, this Jamaican guy all of a sudden, you know, and if it's Latin music playing, I'm totally like this thing. So absolutely. Yeah, man, a different persona. No question. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, were there moments for you? And I'll give you an example. Uh, I tell this story, you know, I, I, I used to deposit the checks I got from our distributors at the bank. I'd go to the teller and, and, and deposit it. Mm. And it got to the point where the teller never looked at me. Every check I got, it was bigger and bigger and bigger. You know, I'm making it. I'm successful. Finally, she looked up at me. It was like, like $700,000 in deposits. It was amazing. She looked up. Like, that was... That was one of the moments where I'm like, oh, shit, I'm making it. Or I bought right. an air conditioner. I remember years earlier, I bought an air conditioner. I fucking made it. You know, right. I, I bought yeah. it. Like, do you, did you have those moments where things were happening where you felt like I'm moving up the chain? I'm moving up the ladder? Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and they're just as, they're exactly the same as yours, man. It's, the, it's that little it's that little purchase that you're like, and you don't feel um, you don't feel like man, I shouldn't have got this, like those little purchases. Um, but again, you know, all of my mom, all of my money, even up until um, I was an adult, just went straight to my mother. Um, and so I felt very accomplished if she could buy something. Um, I remember when she bought her first car, yeah. you know, most of my money was in that purchase and I felt great. Um, I remember when uh, she decided to, to, to leave my father and buy a house. Um, a lot of my money was in that purchase. So yeah, same thing. And, and personally, um, I've never bought anything flashy and that's not to disrespect anybody that has, but I've never bought a big chain. Um, I've never bought a, uh, a, 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 a house that I could not functionally use all of the, the rooms in. Um, I've never bought a big car and, uh, I feel really good about my success. So, you know, I feel like I have a lot, a, a, a purpose to the people that are directly attached to me. And I don't, I don't have any, any dollars to spare. You so, know what I'm saying? I got to get everyone right. What, what is success to you? Yeah, success to me is probably totally different than what I think a lot of people deem success is because, um, I don't know what makes people happy. Uh, to me, success is happiness. If you're happy, and like I said before, when I was had nothing, literally like so, so, so poor, I was so happy. I was such a happy child, you know, and I played football and, you know, I did, you know, I just was a happy child. I was never a not happy person. And so I don't feel like I've ever not been successful because I've allowed a lot of the things that usually make a lot of other people have unhappy lives not make me unhappy. I think that is a triumph. I think that's a true, true, true triumphic story right there. Um, 
So to me, that's all it is, is just happiness. If you're happy, whatever that is for you, um, then you're successful. And I'm happy because I'm surrounded by healthy and happy people who have no stress anymore, have nothing that they need to worry for anymore, um, and can live an exciting, happy, healthy life. You know, I remember the first time I stopped, I, I remember the first time I was like, yo, I'm not going to eat this church's chicken. <laughs> that was when I was like, yo, I think I might have made it, man. I was like, yo, I'm not eating this biscuit, you know? So for me, um, you know, happiness is what success is. Is in music, um, uh, what what do you consider today success? Well, I don't like to really look at like um, the things as, 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 as like grimy as success. I've, I've won one. And I understand that that might come off as like, oh, well, you won one. So now you can say that. Um, but now that I have won one, I, I do have a different perspective on what success is. And I think that there is a there's a level of fulfillment that music actually gives all of us. And I'm glad that one of the most fulfilling songs that I've ever made is the one that won the Grammy, and that's Toast by Coffee. Uh, and shout out to Izzy Beats and shout out to Coffee. I'm so glad that that's something that I was a part of uh, because it was, regardless if it ever won an award ever, it was felt so fulfilling to make that music. Um, and my music is definitely, uh, you, if you listen to the Major Lazer stuff, you listen to my solo stuff, it's all it's all positive music, you know. There's no guns, uh, there's no n words, you know. There's no nothing that I that I don't think will uplift somebody. And I think that everything that I'm attached to is about upliftment and about um, um, positivity. So I personally feel real good about that. That my music is what I would want uh, people of all generations to hear, and that I feel a level of um, growth from the people that listen to my music. I feel like they leave my music as, you know, an evolved person. And that is amazing to me. So when, when everybody loves Major Lazer, and when I look at both the, the, the work that you've done and the work with Major Lazer, um, I've interviewed Ice Prince, Techno, Fuse. You're picking people all over the world. In all different places. Where does that inspiration come from? That comes from traveling. And I really wish that a lot of people were blessed to be able to travel like myself. I've been so blessed. I've been to 160 countries. <laughs> and that alone, it, it, it's it's difficult to ever look at um, life the same after you start to see how so many people live and your similarities and your differences. And you begin to celebrate those things. So, you know, a lot of those... Um, a lot of the music, the collaborations that you hear me uh, put out are from traveling. I go into a, a city and because I always need to know what the streets are doing, what is going on with the streets, because the streets are going to tell you um, what the fashion is. The streets are going to tell you what the slangs are. Uh, they're going to tell you what the music is, who's the real ones. Like you can look on the charts all day, but there's always going to be a whole other thing happening um, you know, in the streets. And so I, I, yo, I've just been so blessed, man. So blessed. Big up to Nasheen Fire. CMT Midos, I say, yo, I've been so blessed to have been able to look at where I come from, travel the world, and then look at where everyone else comes from and see how we relate to each other and then put that in music. D does it matter when you're putting an album together? Do you, does it matter 
if it's a little bit everywhere, if you know what I mean? No, not to me, because a lot of the times, um, well, first of all, let me say the way that albums are now are not the way that they used to be. You and I grew up in a time where albums were more like a fluid project. Yeah. And it made sense. Yeah. Um, like if you listen to a Prince album, the songs were all so similar and they made so much sense. And if you heard one song, the next song usually wasn't too far off from that. And then you got a full, almost movie-like experience. Now you don't get that anymore. You get a lot of um, singles. Yeah. And so when you put out a single, usually you don't put out another single for a, a little while after that. And then you put out another single a little while after that. And sometimes you can even, while you're working on the music, change it to adapt to what's happening at the time. And you end up having singles that might not relate to each other at all. And you might even want that on purpose. You might say, yo, I'm going to do a dance song, a slow jam, an Afrobeat song, and a dancehall song. And that's what I want because I'm no longer a one genre artist or one genre producer. And so, yeah, man, I definitely um, think that that's what I, I've been doing uh, solo and, and, and with Major Lazy. Even though my last album was directly a thing, it was Africa Beats the Caribbean. That was the concept it was like yo africa and the caribbean two people from two different parts of the world on every track uh, a lot of the other albums have not been so so planned and thought out i'm guessing in the beginning it wasn't this snowball where you know it feels like now you could collab with anybody um is it different now than it was then in deciding who you want to work with or or putting putting something together? Well, not for me. I can't speak on the industry, but not for me. I will not work with somebody that I'm not friends with. You have to and know them first. Yeah, man, you have to know each other first. And that's, not, that's never going to change for me. No one's going to send me a beat and be like, well, let's be real. Like, like if Beyonce did it, yeah. You know what I'm saying? But like... <laughs> um, you know, I would like to know Beyonce first, you know. Um, but yeah, you know. Like, you want uh, that emotional attachment. You want the friendship. The reason yep. why you want the friendship is because I think that when people are listening to music, they know if a collaboration is authentic with a real da-da-da, da-da-da, versus a machine put together collaboration. I feel. yeah. yeah. I feel, you know how, like when you go, you know, here's a good example. Um, you know how you go on Google and you type in stock photo? Yeah. Yes. I feel like you, you look at that stock photo and you can put that stock photo on any advertisement. And, and a person like myself, and I believe the majority of people will know that's a stock photo. That person is not really even aware of what the product is that they're advertising. They are not really enjoying that product. It's acting. Those are actors yep. who got paid to take a picture and to advertise a product. Music is the same way. If you have two people who are acting like they're, they know each other and acting like um, they're friends, we know. When we see the picture, when we see the product, when we see the video, we can tell. When we hear the music, we hear the, the chemistry, we can tell, just like as if it was a stock photo. Are you are you still? And I always I always think this is curious because even with to me, I'm doing brands and 
you're doing brands and mm -hmm. I'm always, I've gotten to the point where I don't assume anything. I don't know what's going to work or not going to work. You kind of have to let it breathe, try mm -hmm. it and see if it mm -hmm. works. Is it the same for you with music where you don't know what's going to be successful? You don't Absolutely. know until you put it out there? Absolutely. And here's the best lesson that I had to learn. Maybe you had to learn. And hopefully if we're inspiring people right now, they will learn. Just drop it. Yeah. At some point, you've already overthunk it. Yeah. At some part, some point, you've already wasted the budget. Yep. <laughs> At some point, you've already wasted time. Just drop it. Just drop it because I have songs that I never thought would get a sync in a movie or get a sync in a commercial or become a billboard hit. And they have, and the songs that I might've thought for sure were sure. going to be a hit, they did not. And that's all, uh, there's no way, there is literally no way to, to, to predict this. What was your, I'm curious, what was your biggest surprise? Okay, I did a song a that you never thought would be bigger. Yeah, man, I did a reggae song with a with a guy named Machette, and the song was called Naturally. Okay, so everybody go on YouTube after we're finished and check out the song Naturally, Machette and Walshy Fire. That song ended up getting picked up uh, in a official advertisement for YouTube. <laughs> right? So YouTube was doing some rebranding and uh I'm not going to tell you how much I got, but by far the biggest check I've ever seen at one time. And I mean, big, big check. I, I don't think everyone here understands how much money YouTube has. This was the biggest check I've ever seen. And when I called my shit and was like, yo, we about to split a huge check. I mean, he dropped the phone. Uh, and this was a song that there's no way somebody could have told me that this song would be what it was going to be. I am not even playing. There's no way. And it ended up being that song for me. So I'm very much right along with in alignment with what you're saying. Just put it out. Whatever it is, just do it. Put it out. At the end of the day, none of us know what's going to work. So, so, and I, we get to work with a lot of younger artists, um, which I love because they're hungry and mm -hmm. they want to try things. And it's the label that's slowing them down. Mm -hmm. Meaning it's almost like you say, it's overthinking it. It's, it's thinking too hard on it. Mm -hmm. Is, is that the most difficult part of music is just, yeah, you know, even, even after you drop the song, sometimes you're listening to it and you go, man, I wish I had, to, I wish I could go back into the studio and fix this. You'll never, it's a perfectionist thing. You'll never, you'll never, you'll never not hear something you want to change. Yeah. And you just have to get over that. Yeah. You got to get over yourself and just put it out because it's never going to make any money. It's never going to make any change in the world. It's never going to make people happy if it's just on your laptop. It happens every song, every single song. If I, if I break you apart for a second, mm -hmm. um, Walshy Fire, what's his next goal? Okay. I think that, uh, to be honest, I, I think that, and I don't think I'll answer that. Um, and the reason why I don't think I'll answer that is because I think that 
there's a place for uh, public, and then there's a there's a there's a place that's yeah, you know what I'm saying. I get it. There's, I completely. I there's a, there's get a, it. There's a time to put some stuff on the wall in your room. Yep. And nobody know but you. Um, a lot of the things that I put on my wall, and I actually did that. Somebody said do it, and I'm not gonna lie to you. I put Grammy on the wall. Um, I put new house on the wall and I put like three other things and every single one of them, I got all of them in, in 2019, yeah. every single one of them. Um, so the wall is filled with, with new things. And those things I think are just for me to look at every single day and, and motivate myself towards it. But I will say some things have already fallen in place that were a part of last year. One thing being, um, having my own record label Yeah, that's happening. Um, signing artists, that's happening. Working with artists that I never thought, you know, I would ever work with. I'm in the studio with them now. Those are all a part of the 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 goals that were, you know, uh, in the in the works for a while now. Uh, but I have some real, true, out of the box, major goals, like major, major, you know, globe changing goals. Uh, and I'll I'll manifest those uh, in private for sure. And so so now now major laser because that's a collaboration. You've got to work with other people. You're not in control, and that's a that can be a great thing. Does mm-hmm. does it have goals that it wants to achieve or try or do things? Yeah, definitely. There's a statement that I made for Major Laser, and it's called "Making the World Smaller by Making the Party Bigger." Right. That's been a goal that we've been working on. I've been with Major Laser now for nine years and I came up with that statement like six years ago. And it's been the focus, making the world smaller by making the I mean, yeah, by making the party bigger. And we realized that the more events that we did, the more people that never would have been in the same room started to be in the same room. The more people, the more collaborations we did with somebody from Africa, um, with somebody from South America the more those two continents began to speak to each other, the more the people in, who were in South Africa, I mean, sorry, in South America, started to see just how African they were and yeah. how African influence they were. And that's been the goal of Major Laser, and it's still to, to this very day. I, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan uh, because I love Africa and I love the artists. And I tell mm-hmm. every U.S. artist, go to Africa, do a collaboration. Yep. Yes. They're gonna in Africa. You're not an artist. You're a celebrity. Mm-hmm. They'll love you if you show some love back. And I, yep. I wish more artists in the U.S. would do this. Uh, Absolutely, and not only the U.S. Man, Canada. Um, you know, I, I, we and I want to make sure that we continue to speak from a global stance, right? Like yep. we might be from America or living in America. Yep. But our brands represent a bigger, a bigger thing. Um, Yo, anywhere in the world, go to Africa. You got to get there. You got to yeah. get there. And if you want to know anything about Africa, DM me. If you want to know how where to start, I'll tell you right now, man. Start in Ghana. Ghana is an easy entry into Africa. Um, you know, start in South Africa. South Africa yep. is an easy entry into um, Africa. It gets a lot rougher in some countries, but you want to go, man. I've been to 14 countries in Africa, and I'm very blessed. My favorite place in Africa is Rwanda. 
Mm. When I tell people that, they can't believe it because we only know one thing about Rwanda. You know, we only have the news of the civil war and the famine and things like that. And when you get there, it's the most beautiful country I've ever experienced with the nicest people I've ever met. So getting to Africa is a must. Traveling is a must, everybody. And for everybody who at one time used to be like, oh, I'm going to go to Barcelona because that was like the cool place to go. Yo, Barcelona is literally across the water from Africa. Mm -hmm. If you can go to Barcelona, you can plan that trip. Yo, make a small change. Make that change to be that you just lay over in Barcelona and you head over to Africa. Well, it's going to cost you the same amount. Do, do you think that you get, uh, were you ever in a position where you thought you wouldn't have another idea, another idea for a song or a beats or anything? Never. Ever, ever, ever. Never, ever, ever, ever. I am ID, idea overloaded, man. I have a book. I don't have it here. I got so much ideas. I started to write them down in books. And I have about three or four books filled with just ideas. Then when I ran out of the books uh, or I didn't want to write in the books anymore because um, uh, I wouldn't have them near me when the idea came to me, I began to email the ideas to myself. Yeah. So now I have like maybe 30 email, thirty something emails of ideas, but all each email has like 20 or 30 ideas in the email. So I began to just like organize and file ideas. Um, there's not a single thing I don't have ideas about from architecture to fashion to um, liquor um, to anything I've already had an idea for. I already have an idea that I just haven't met the person to collaborate with because what I want everybody to take away from this is the only way to win nowadays is to communicate and to collaborate. Collaboration is key. We all have to collaborate right now. Everybody needs somebody to tell them, what's the, what do you do? What do I do? And let's work together. There's no more, you know, every man's an island thing anymore. That's done. Yep. So, so, so mm -hmm. I, I, I'm imagining that, you know, with all the travels you do, you, that's where you're picking it up too, because you're seeing so much different things than other people. You're seeing so many opportunities you wouldn't have thought was possible or a new beat or a new sound or a, a personality. Yep, absolutely, man. You meet somebody, they say something that's so funny and your brain is already exercising this creative, like, you know, exercise. It's already yeah. on the creative hamster wheel. And so when somebody says something or you see somebody, you see somebody's, you know, fashion and you're immediately like, yo, there's a song in that. There's a song there. You know, yeah. that, that's a song. And you, you, know, you meet somebody and you know, that's a song. And that's exactly how it is for me. Absolutely. I never run out of ideas. So with with whether it's producing or or uh, emceeing, DJ, Major Laser, your label, new artists, mm -hmm. what today makes you most excited? Okay, so I just left the studio with an artist called Coffee, the same person that um, I won the Grammy with, okay? And shout out to everybody in here who knows Coffee. And I just left the studio. I just left, just, just, just left, just for this. I was like, yo, studio session's Thank done. You. I got this to do. And I came home and I'm so excited about making music with artists that are so young and have such a different perspective on music. It's the most exciting thing. I used to get really excited about DJ. DJ used to be like, 
you know, <clears throat> how do I, how do I creatively, um, you know, make a, uh, make a set that when people are walking away, they go, yo, this guy knows music and this guy's passion for music came through the set. Like, yo, I never heard that song before. I never heard that remix before. I never thought of blending those two songs together. And then for everyone that's, you know, familiar with Caribbean music, soca, dance, or kumpa, salsa, is a lot of talking on the microphone. I've been an MC for years, and MCing is a true talent. And I've been able to rock crowds, small, huge, and have small, huge crowds all walk away going, yo, that was amazing. He made so much jokes. He made so much yep. sense. He made such an impact. And then I started to watch that decline, as in like cell phones became more smart and people were coming to parties for ulterior motives. They weren't actually coming to the party to have fun anymore. Actually, most of the clubs got rid of their dance floors. You'd, you'd see a dance floor that, you know, one time there was a dance floor, now it's just bottle tables. Yep. And, you know, everyone was just on the phone and they were going live and it was all about a selfie. And the DJ no longer became this person that was actually curating and making an impact. DJ became this secondary thing, no matter how much, how loud he was, how good he was, all of that just didn't matter anymore because people walked away from the experience of partying and it became a experience of one-upship and clout. And yep. what am I doing that you aren't doing? Yep. Um, and so that took away a lot of the joy of DJ. You started to realize that when I was, I remember, I can tell you right now, one of the most impactful nights of my life. Shout out to DJ Culture. I was working at Beach Street Records in Brooklyn, New York. Um, he was like, yo, I had just got to New York, just moved to Canarsie. He was like, man, I'm having this party on the docks. I went to the docks and there he was on a yacht that wasn't going anywhere. The yacht just <laughs> stayed on the dock because we know the fee and the cost in New York to actually sure. make that boat move would have been too much. So you just get on the boat and you party on the boat. But there's this guy, DJ Culture, doing this set and he's playing some music that Miami people just did not play. It was a New York set. It was a New York energy. It was a New York vibe. And I remember sitting there and genuinely saying to myself, I am not a New Yorker. Yeah. I am absolutely lost, but still finding my way through the set. He would drop one song. The crowd would go crazy. I would not know the song. He would drop another song. The crowd would go crazy. I would not know the song, but the two songs made sense. And the two songs were really good. This is way before Shazam, way before cell sure. phones. So it's not like I could go, what is that? Yeah. But, you know, for me, I was taking that experience and going, yo, this is New York. And yeah. these guys, they do, they do their own thing. Shout yeah. out to everybody from the northeastern part of America or that just knows a lot of music. He was playing songs like Alias, uh, yeah. Follow Me. He was playing songs like... Um, I want to thank you, Heavenly Father. Big up yeah. to yo, big up to BK Circus. They know. He was playing songs like um hot music. Yeah, hot yeah, yeah, yeah. Music. And I would just watch everybody so clap. And I was sitting there going, yo, I don't know any of these songs. But I understand that yeah. this is why I'm here. And this is why they're here to experience something together. I remember those moments. And you know what? I remember those moments till now. It never left me. When these guys go to a party now, those experiences get lost that night or definitely by the next morning. They don't remember what the heck just happened the night yeah. before because yeah. they immediately are scrolling. Yeah. They're scrolling to the next the, thing. They're on to the next thing. They're to the next thing. Yeah. So that made me not want to DJ as much anymore. And I find that fulfillment now in actually producing music. So when's this, when's this, is it an album? His? Who's that? Coffee. My bad. Oh man. You know, 
it we just won't speak on it, man. All it's right. gonna be special, guys. All it's right, gonna be right. special. Yeah, man. Fair enough. Well, <laughs> all right. But before we, I appreciate this. Before we go, I do something right at the end. It's just mm-hmm. quick word association. Yeah. Give me. I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say something. Give me one word. First thing comes to mind. All right. My bad. Yeah. Ready? So one. I'm gonna say something. One mm-hmm. word. Whiz kid. King. Ice Prince. The God. Techno. Bad Boy. My favorite, Yemi Alliday. Woo! Yo. Oh, man. On one word, man. <laughs> Amazing. Have you worked with her yet? Yes. I love Yemi. Amazing. Uh, Nicki Minaj. Awesome. Really dope. I don't want to keep going with the words, but yeah. That's okay. Done tons, done tons of work with her. Um, so sweet. I got a, you know, my first uh, time meeting her was actually at the club. I was doing this thing called Reggae Thursdays and uh, on South Beach at this place, club called Play. And she made her entourage come because it was reggae night and she made Drake come and they were all there. And I, I met her. We hung out that night. She was just so sweet. And she's been such a nice person ever. every time I've, oh. I've, I've, I've met with her. Reggae. The heartbeat of the world. Dance hall. The streets. Diplo. Brethren. Eight drums. Young veteran. All right. Well, she, I really appreciate talking to you. I, I think my take, I always tell my team after one of these, you know, what my takeaway is and I love how your reflection is is who you are, and I think that's so important. Um, and the fact that you you know exactly what's happened and why, and uh, and you can look back on what you achieved. And you haven't. It sounds like I, I you haven't changed, and that's the best part. And I think that is that's a that's an endearing quality of people, and I love it. I love it. Um, I appreciate it, man. And to be honest with you. I've been very blessed to have family and friends that have kept me absolutely grounded, but also I'm motivated with things that won't really allow me to change, you know, in the sense that I can't really step out of a lot of, uh, um, um, of my, uh, of zones because, uh, of so many people needing me, but I love it, man. I love being, yeah, I, I, it's awesome. And, and, uh, it's too late to say, don't go changing because you're not going to, but, if there's anything I can do in, in uh, we're big in the music space, anything I can do to help you or anything we do in, with I do it for a living, please ask. And uh, But I appreciate you taking the time and talking self-made with us. Yeah, man, big up and thank you, man. And I appreciate everybody in the chat for sticking with us. It was a great conversation and hopefully, uh, you know, some some inspiration and motivation came Definitely. out of it, man. And shout out, and shout out to Rick Ross again, Carol City. You know, Carol, that's uh, right, baby. Yeah, man. We we grew up on the same in the same neighborhood, and um, you know he's a little bit older than me, uh, but we have lots of uh, of the same friends. And shout out to everybody that's gone through the struggle and made it. And I appreciate being here and being able to speak, man. One love. Thanks, Walsh. Take care. Stay safe, everybody. Thank you. Yeah, man. Big up.